0: Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's happening, Archons? Welcome to yet another episode of Help from Future Self, a conversational Keyforge podcast. And I just want to wish a happy new year to everyone. Uh, we are recording this on New Year's Day. And um, our good friend, Scuzzy Gruen, is still in Italy, but he will be back next week. And uh, I brought on one of my Keyforge pals to fill in for him. And uh, today we have uh, Luke with us, Logotarian Luke. Uh, why don't you say hi to everyone, Luke?
1: Hey, everybody. Happy New Year.
0: And uh, we also have the wheeling key forger Rick with us. Happy New Year, everyone. And uh, yeah, this is going to be a very fun episode. I brought Luke on to actually talk about a concept that he has championed. And uh, I won't spoil it just yet. We'll, uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, first, we decided to kick things off with uh, Rick hosting one of our favorite segments which is uh would you rather rick what have you got for us today
2: actually today i've got two cards from the new house star alliance they are both creatures would you rather cxo tabor or calm officer kirby cxo tabor is three power no armor fight reap you may play or use one non-star alliance card this turn And Calm Officer Kirby is three power, no armor creature, play, fight, reap, you may play a non starlines artifact, upgrade, or action card this turn.
0: Very interesting. Um, I'm a big fan of both of these cards. Uh, Luke, what do you think of both these cards?
1: Yeah, this is is a tough one for me. Um, I really love both cards, but uh, if I were going to have one over the other, my Would You Rather would probably be uh, Officer Kirby, and here's why. I, they both do very similar things. Uh, Exo Tabor um, has the uh, reap ability, um, but Kirby has that playability. Play man. And uh, I know whenever I've had decks with Tabor, um, it's just like an instant death card. People kill that thing right off the board. And so if you can have the value of playing the Kirby, being able to play a non-star alliance artifact upgrade or action card, and then if, you, if he sticks around and you can reap with him again, or even better yet, if you can do the whole uh, transporter pl- platform nonsense, uh, I think I'll go with Kirby. I'm definitely in the same boat as you. This this was
0: also a hard one for me. I, I think I actually like Tabor as a card more than Kirby because it is more versatile for doing a lot of things. Like I have a deck with it where Obsidian Forge exists, so I can basically use Tabor to activate an Obsidian Forge and really abuse my Star Alliance. But unfortunately, like you said, it just is an instant target, and and as great as it is to take care of a removal, I think I got to go with Kirby because of the uh, the old adage of uh, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. So being able to use something right away and get that value is definitely uh, something that I'm more interested in. Uh, Rick, what did what was uh, where did you fall in with this one?
2: Actually, just simply due to the fact that I've only got one deck with taper in it, I would also go with. Call Officer Kirby for that play effect, as you just stated. Like,
0: yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of one of my favorite plays. I I have with Kirby. I think is is getting to play Kirby and then use a key charge. Um, that is like one of my favorite ways to to use that card. I think it's it's so versatile. There's a lot of actions that are just so potent in this set. Um, mm-hmm. Although although the one thing with Worlds Collide is actions are a little leaner than. You've seen in like the previous sets, like there, there does seem to be a more creature heavy decks for the most part. Like yep. when you get a less uh, creature heavy deck, it seems to be kind of an outlier. Um, how about you, Luke? You notice the same thing or different opinion?
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, I, it's really nice when you can use Tabor to filter your hand and really get some of those creatures or use some of the creatures that can really combo off with Star Alliance. But uh, more oftentimes than not, through experience, that Tabor just gets taken off the board so fast um that i really do like the versatile of of kirby and i'll also mention kirby is an uncommon or is a common compared to Tabor's common so i've seen decks with multiple kirbys and that can uh that can be that can be really fun
0: yeah i agree okay so let's get into our main segment for this episode and that is the uh the idea of almost like a, it's a new year's resolution. And that's why I wanted to sort of bring Luke on to discuss this. Cause you know, a, a lot of people, they, they like to start the new year with losing some weight. It's a very common new year's resolution. So I thought appropriate to have Luke come on to talk about lean forge. And it's an interesting concept that he is a champion of. So, um, why don't you just uh, give us a little intro to this, this idea?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, the TLDR, as, uh, as some would say, um, kind of the statement that I've, uh, I've really kind of been subscribing to this philosophy uh, last year in 2019, and I'll continue it into 2020 here, um, is I would, I would say I subscribe to the uh Forge Minimalism, or Leanforge, as I call it. And uh, the, the jokey way that I say it is, uh, if a deck is not as fun or competitive as my best deck, then I shed it like a chain. (laughs) Interesting.
0: (laughs) And, um, you, I know you had some, uh, disclaimers you wanted to just, just put out there before. So why don't you just, uh, let everyone know before you really dive into the the nitty gritty of, of what this concept entails, uh, what that is.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, uh, a few disclaimers that I just wanted to share before we kind of dive in is, uh, the one thing I love about KeyForge is this game is really about discovery, and everyone has their own unique way of playing this game. That's that's one of the uh, the fun things about it. Um, for example, some people are collectors, and they collect cards or certain combos, and that's awesome. Like I have a friend, Jordan. He uh, goes by Vampire Polite Talk on the Discord. Um, he loves Mars. You may have seen his uh, picture. I think it was the Collinsville vault tour. He was the one protesting, bring back Mars with his sign. Uh, (laughs) Hilarious. Um, (laughs) He collects Mars Mavericks. That's his thing. Um, And uh, I was just, I just saw him earlier today and uh, we were just geeking over some, a Mars Maverick of uh, a hunting witch. Coolest thing ever. Um, That is awesome. And, uh, and so everyone kind of has their own thing. Some people love um, Mars Mavericks. Some people love hunting witch decks. That's, that's kind of my thing. Um, everyone plays the game uniquely, and so this whole Leanforge concept, uh, this is just my perspective. Um, I'd say that I kind of fall on one extreme side of the spectrum. I'm not claiming that this philosophy and how I uh, play Keyforge or how I collect decks is right or wrong. Everyone kind of has their own way of doing things, and uh, and so those are just kind of some di- disclaimers. Everyone plays Keyforge in their own unique way, um, and this is what I'm going to share is just kind of my unique spin on how I play Keyforge.
0: I really find it interesting because I now have 300 decks and I feel a little overwhelmed by them. Like I'm, I'm actually, Whoa. yeah, it kind of went really big this. uh I, I was able to trade in all my magic collection and really get into Worlds Collide. And I'm actually like surrounded by Keyforge decks right now. and And part of my New Year's Day activity is going to be organizing my kind of studio space because it's just, there's just too much stuff around. And I really like the idea of, of leaning down and and maybe shedding some of these these three hundred chains I got that maybe won't <laughs> won't be sticking around.
2: Yeah, I thought one hundred and like fourteen was bad.
0: Yeah, and I know I know I'm not even near the 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 top end of of deck collectors out there, but this is just something that acquired. I mean, I bought some collections from people and things like that, so it, it got up there. And I mean, when you have these cheap Coda boxes that went on sale on Amazon as well, didn't didn't help the cause at all. So that's, um, that's where I'm at right now. So why don't we you just dive in now to the, like, what created this idea? Like, how, how did this come about? Cause I'm, I'm sure there must've been some sort of moment that made you go, you know what? I'm going to embrace this right now. So, so what created that for you, Luke?
1: Yeah, totally. So, uh, this, so I was, um, I started playing keyboards right when it came out. I'm actually from Minneapolis, Minnesota. So, I'm about 10 minutes away from Fantasy Flight Games. Um, And so, I knew about it right away. I got a few decks um, on the first day. And uh, probably like a lot of people when the game first came out, I just kind of went nuts. I got as many decks as I could. They were in, uh, the supply was limited back then. So, my mindset was, well, I'm going to grab as many as I can now before they get sold out. Right. Um, And uh, it kind of got to the point where, I had so many decks that it was kind of getting a little bit out of hand. And so I made a deal with my wife that I, could, that I needed to lean down my collection to uh, decks that could fit in my deck box at the time. And that was four. Um, and so what I ended up doing was, uh, you know, I had so many decks and I was thinking, man, it's, it's hard for me to really figure out uh i'm spending so much time play testing and debating over which deck is better and whenever uh, a friend wanted to play a game with me i would like sit there and i didn't know which one to play with because i had so many so it kind of i've been there before oh yeah so i kind of came to this realization of like you know what i want to lean down my collection so i can make this deal with my wife becca that uh I can only have as many decks as fit in the box. And so what I kind of did was I uh, leaned down my collection to this kind of king of the hill type system where whenever I acquired a deck, uh, if it topped my best deck, then I would like swap them out and then I would either try and sell the other ones or I would give them away to friends. Um, And so that I really, that just kind of helped lean down my big collection to a small collection. Then whenever I added a new one to, uh, to the group, then if it wasn't as fun or as competitive as the ones that were sitting in my deck box, then, uh, I shared them with friends or tried to sell them on secondary market.
0: So you're, you're capped at four or is the, is the box a little bit bigger than you originally started?
1: The box is a little bit bigger now, now that there's a few, a few sets. Um, so I really kind of, uh, have a competitive deck from each set and then like one or two, uh, fun decks, mid tier decks, um, that aren't, you know, you're not going to blow somebody away, um, when you're just sitting down to play a casual game and then a reversal deck. So really, uh, right now I'm just looking at my deck box. I've got about, uh, under 10. Um, and, uh, and, and again, I'll, I'll just restate that I'm on one extreme side of the spectrum. Um, not saying that anyone that has a big collection is wrong or anything. This is just how I play Keyforge and one of the fun ways that, uh, that, that, is a part of this whole kind of lean forge experiment. Philosophy is I really do find uh, it enjoyable to whenever I do get a deck that doesn't kind of fit in my deck box, um if you will, to uh to try and give that to someone else or to sell it on the secondary market. Um and that's part of the part of the fun for me as well.
0: So, how do you, I know you said you you decide if it's better than what you already have, but I know because I've played against you, and I saw on decks of Keyforge your records. Like you've put a lot of games in with those decks that you do have. Obviously, if you're doing this philosophy, so what is the number of reps that you go? Okay, I know that this deck is not as good. Like, is there is there one game like ten? Like, do you do you have a limit of like I'm going to play it for this much before I come to that conclusion that actually isn't better? Because I feel like some decks they may not seem as good, but they're very complex so it takes a lot of reps to maybe actually really see what it can do or is that part of it if it cannot be figured out more easily you kind of put it into another category
1: yeah I think that um I certainly get a few reps I don't necessarily like have a, a certain number of reps that I have with the deck but uh you know after playing the game for over a year um you know I kind of have a good sense of after I play the deck or I'm just looking at it whether it really fits my play style that also is a big thing for me is i love Mm. to play fast decks uh my best deck has three hunting witches in it and uh that's my style man um untame brognar and shadows coda that's kind of my thing um and so it's it's not only is is this deck good and does it kind of dethrone one of my top decks but do i enjoy playing this thing would I love to just jam games over and over so that I know this thing in and out? So there's definitely decks that I have had that have been super competitive, but I've preferred some of the ones that I have in my deck box now uh, just because it's more my playstyle. I really enjoy them. Um, and so that's kind of part of it too. The reason why I think about that is because
0: I have a deck that is uh, ranked very highly on my Decks of Keyforge Forge collection. It's, I think it's in top four or top five. And I've played with it and had some great success, but then I've also had things where it just didn't come together. And so it's one of those decks where I'm kind of like, I really want to, I really enjoy playing it, but I'm not sure if the SASS kind of meets the actual end game because of consistency. I find that sometimes can be a thing where consistent, as good as the deck is rated, consistency can actually make it fall down. So I want to get the reps in. To determine is it actually this really fun deck that I see the potential in, or is the consistency going to make it fall down the the wayside, so to speak?
1: Totally, yeah. No, I totally get that, and and that's another big thing for me too. Is there's some wombo combo decks that I've come across uh, that are super fun to play, but they're not as consistent. You know, like one of the decks mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, you know I gave to one of my friends is it has just uh, like hunting witch, triple dust pixie, nature's call three full moons it's just absolutely bananas um but uh but it can't hold a board right so it and it even has an arise in it so you can just do all that stuff over again so it's really great and you can pop off for like 15 amber and it's nuts but i just really one of the things i love about some of my favorite decks is you know it's kind of the um the adage of you know your main house holds the board you have a support house and then a burst house i think it's from uh the Bouncing Death Court guys, right? So mm-hmm. that's yep. that's what I love, the Brobnar beatdown um, with, a, with a nice uh, spicy pile of skulls or something like that. Uh, you've got your Shadows to steal and support, and then you've got your nutty, untamed stuff that can just do uh, crazy things. And and those I find, for me personally, fit my playstyle, and are those consistent decks that may not, they may not be as flashy as some of those crazy Dust Pixie Nature's Call things, but those are just more well-rounded, and I found more success um, playing those decks and uh, being consist- consistently winning versus having hit-or-miss games.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of the issue. With, with the, so the deck I'm talking about for that I'm kind of in this big debate with is it's it's really fun because it has crazy house cheating. It has a two Calm Officer Kirby's and three Golden Spirals plus an Arredo hissaro. So it just has this way where I can activate the Kirby's so many different times. And it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun, but like you know, like we said, it's the consistency sometimes doesn't come there, and it's and that's part of the learning experience, I think, of all keyforge. That's the discovery. You're like, wow, this is so much fun. It has this potential to do A, B, and C, but it's the discovery of oh, how likely can I actually make that happen? Where the true success comes.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, with that deck, how many times when it's working perfectly do you rule of six?
0: Uh, I don't rule a six that often actually, because it's hard to get all of the spirals out. It's usually two, but it's, it's, I, the crazy thing about it is the way I I know you guys have seen this encoded existed, the daisy chaining of house cheating. Like you can go, you know, like a dominator bobble into a, um, what's it, what's the guy, uh, Remiel, and then into a Mega Mouth, and you can just kind of create this like crazy mm-hmm. daisy chain across. And and the one thing I discovered about the deck is when it does go off, my turns are really long because I'm doing so much and going between so many houses. And it's and it yeah. kind of makes it also, I'm, I'm wary about a deck like that as well in terms of the fun factor for your opponent. Because because like we, we experienced with the whole um, seeing why, the, the lands combo started getting nerfed was because of that one-sided play. So anything that does that, I also put the deck in a different category of, I don't want to play this with friends. I don't want to play this in a friendly community environment because it has the potential to create this one-sided gameplay. And I'm and I'm a little bit worried about that. And I, and I think that does exist within Worlds Collide because there is all these cards that exist now that allow you to go between houses. So anyways, moving on with your your lean forging.
1: Yeah, so I think that um, just kind of been on this uh, on this Lean Forge journey, kind of been doing it this last year, and uh, and it's been really fun for me actually. Um, so I kind of I work for a small software development company, and kind of grown up in the entrepreneurial scene and the startup scene here in in, the, in Minneapolis, and uh, that's part of the fun for me too is even um, flipping decks and trying to uh, stay net positive playing KeyForge, um, mm-hmm. which has been really really fun for me. Um, and so that kind of scratches that itch for me, if you will, of, uh, just kind of the entrepreneurial, um, adventure in playing KeyForge and, uh, and using money playing, uh, you know, selling decks to play more KeyForge, And, um, that's been, so that's, that's been a super fun for me thing, uh, this year. And then also, um, there's, uh, this old Swedish proverb that says, uh, a shared joy is a double joy. Uh, and what that means is that, uh, if I can find a deck that, that I come across that I can give to someone else and that that will give them joy playing that deck, then that makes me happy. So uh, a good example is there's a, a guy, Roy, who we play with locally here. He's a tenured professor at uh, um, philosophy professor at the U of M. Super awesome guy. And uh, he loves the Philophosaurus card. Like, who wouldn't, right? He's a philosopher, right. he's a philosopher, and he loves philosopher. So, the deck that I played with at the sealed vault tour at PAX had three philosopher in it, it was nuts. Um, and so, whenever I said, Hey, Roy, check out this deck, um, he got so excited um, for this triple philosopher's deck, and uh, and so it was just so much fun for me to share that deck with him, give that deck to him, because that was just he really resonated with that card, and and uh, yeah, it just brought me joy, how much enjoyment he got out of playing that deck and getting that deck. So that's also part of it, too, is not only the you know flipping decks and kind of the entrepreneurial part of Lean Forge, but also for me, even just sharing the decks that I do come across with other people, um, like Jordan uh, with his Mars decks, like Roy with his Philosopher uh, decks. That's super fun for me, too.
0: Yeah, that's that's super cool. I, I, I like that idea. That's uh, that's really a really nice sentiment.
1: And and I think another thing too is if you do have like I only have you know a handful of decks. I try and keep it under ten. Again, that's just me. Um, you know, I do have those middle tier decks that uh, that I have fun playing with with just bonkers library access stuff. But whenever I'm playing casually with friends, it's also super fun to play with other people's decks. So when I sit down for a casual game you know, Blake, you probably have some decks that you want to see piloted. Right. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of fun for you to pilot a new deck and for me to pilot one of your decks. So you get to see how that thing plays. Right. Um, right. and I, another kind of concept that I've really enjoyed is kind of the competitive reversal. I kind of think of it as is, uh, Blake, let me take one of your decks that you know, well, I'll play it. And then you watch me play it. And then I may discover a cool combo or do something that you may have not seen before. And that's kind of a fun, insightful discovery thing too. And so that's just fun to share in that experience of playing other people's decks just because I have, you know, a limited amount and I know mine super well. Like, let me share in your discovery of your own decks with you by playing uh, playing your decks that you may have uh, more than I do. And that's a fun part of it too.
2: I love that idea because... With me, I'm not good at analyzing decks. So if I can give a deck to Blake and be like, "Hey, play this against me," so that I can learn how to play it, I just I that that to me is the best, the most valuable you can get.
0: Yeah, we've we've done a lot of stuff that way, and it's it's a lot of fun too. Because I mean, uh, I I love sealed for that reason. Just getting a new deck and trying to discover how it works and trying to like see. The lines of play and how they can come out and it's it's really fun and that's that is a great concept to to have with people it's just and it, and it allows you to basically keep playing new decks without actually increasing your collection
1: right right totally and i love going to sealed don't get me wrong you know playing sealed and uh have a great time playing with a deck and sometimes at the end of the night if it's a super fun deck i'll keep it uh if it's a one that i um, know that someone else will like, then, Hey, I'll give it to you and you can walk away with it at the end of the night. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so it's, it's just a fun way. And like, who would, who like would turn down a free deck, you know, that just makes somebody's night. Nice, yeah. Right. Oh, um, yeah, so totally. that's, that's part of it too.
0: That's really awesome. And, um, if someone wanted to take up the mantle of being a lean forger, what would be the best advice you would give to someone who wants to like try out this concept?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, the biggest thing for me was just figuring out what my play style is. Because um, I think that's been kind of the guiding beacon between all the different decks that I have in my in my deck boxes. Okay, what's the Luke way to play Keyforge? What do I really enjoy playing? Um, and I really love playing uh, fast um, fast decks. Um, decks, kind of like I said, Brobnar Mainhouse, uh, shadow support house, uh, untamed burst nonsense. And so if though if the, if I find a deck that fits that archetype, um, then I kind of search through my collection to find what I really enjoy. And then I kind of, uh, do some play testing, lean down to, you know, my top one or two. Um, because I don't want to necessarily like, uh, have anxiety over what deck I'm going to bring to a prime championship. Right. Like, I don't have that problem, and that's a luxury, right? Because I only have a few de- a few amount of decks. It's like, boom, that's the one I'm going to take. I'm going to take Sentigun, the triple hunting wedge deck. Love that thing. But that's what I'm going to bring. Um, so find your play style, um, and then uh, whittle down to, uh, you know, what are those competitive decks that you would feel really great about bringing to a chain bound or bringing to uh, a competitive event. Um, and then it's kind of fun to have, you know, a few of those over all of the sets, you know, just to kind of get that diversity there. Um, That's personally me. And then it's also fun just to kind of have some mid-tier decks um, that you just really enjoy playing. Maybe it's, like I said, place your play style, or you just want to have a card that uh, or a deck that uh, draws a bunch of cards, or you want to find a key abduction deck or whatever it is. Um, I think kind of the the Lean Forge advice uh, from me would be find your play style Lean down to those uh, specific decks um, that you get excited about and then share, Uh, share the rest, Uh, share the rest, either trying to sell them or share them with your friends. Um, I'm a big proponent of, uh, you know, finding decks with people's names in them. Like my friend Jordan just gave me this super fire deck called X-Ray Luke Center Pilgrim today. So cool. It has two hunting witches, two dust pixies, and nature's call full moon and key
2: charge. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> that sounds like a yeah. Sounds, that like, sounds a loop. like your deck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome.
2: That, yes, please. I'll take that. I'll take that untamed sweet any day. Yeah.
1: So, like, it, that's that's super fun. And uh, so, you know, pick your play style, lean down to what you really enjoy playing, and then share the rest.
0: So, the last question I have before we move on to the help from future self segment is. Um, do you ever feel like nervous or worried as new sets come out that a deck you had that was maybe like meh at the time, but due to the shift in new set creating the meta change and all that, that you maybe had something that was really powerful and had a lot of viability now and you've leaned it out and now you potentially missed out on something that just increased in its potency greatly. Has that ever crossed your, your mind? I, I know it's probably not as relevant now but i imagine maybe in two more sets because i feel like worlds collide is the first time we've had something where now decks you're like going back and going wow this deck actually is way more powerful than it was before
1: yeah totally uh yeah i think that that's totally a thing um i'm you know i think the lean forge thing is is one extreme end of the spectrum um and that's you know the opportunity cost of uh of not having a nice collection where you can go back and look at all your decks and be like you know what that word of returning card is so much more spicy now that World's Collide is out, right? No. Um and yeah. uh and so that's that's one of the things um that uh that I may not have that collection um to look back at uh but I do I would know like hey those are the kind of cards that I want to look for if I do want to to get a deck or trade it with someone or uh anything like that. So yeah that is something that um that I have thought about uh especially with World's Clyde coming out. And, uh, and I might be on the hunt for.
0: Thanks for sharing your, your lean forge uh, concept, Luke. It's, it's really interesting, and, and I'm very fascinated by it, and I definitely want to lean down some. So uh, I'm going to figure out what that exactly means to me, taking into account all the things you said, because I, I really uh, like this idea, and I think a lot of people out there who are not familiar with it will really appreciate it as well.
2: Oh, definitely. I'm going to be doing a lot of thinking on it myself.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great uh, way to think about some maybe keyforge resolutions now for 2020. Let's move on to our titled segment, and that is help from, help future, from future, self. future self. All right, Luke, I understand you have one for us today. So um, why don't you let the listeners uh, know what your future self is uh, giving you some help with?
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, do you mind? I actually. I had one before, but then I also thought of another one. Can I share two? Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, The first one, I would say, um, read all the cards. Read all the cards, especially the passive effects. What I mean by that is uh, I've been in multiple tournament settings where there is a passive effect on the board. You know, Luke, I'm in autopilot mode, so I'm just playing cards and, uh, and I make mistake- sequencing mistakes. A good example is um, if I've got a card, uh, Nexus, on the board, for example, that says, Reap, you may use one of your opponent's artifacts. Um, if I'm just in autopilot mode, uh, I've done this in a tournament, and it's lost me the th- lost me the tournament, is I reap with Nexus um, to use my opponent's Lash, uh, Lash Broken Dreams, to get them off-key, making their keys cost plus three. But I forget that they have a Tentacus on the board, a disc creature that says when your opponents use an artifact, they must pay you one. So I've made that mistake. I forgot Tentacus was on the board. I didn't read the board state, especially those passive effects. I'm in autopilot mode, reap with uh, with um, Nexus, don't read the Tentacus, and they ended up winning the game because I gave them that final Amber to make them Forge for 9. Felt bad, but hey, that's how you learn. Um so that's kind of another upvote for uh, the whole idea of whenever you draw your cards, just leave your cards face down on the board. Um, watch what your opponent's doing. Stay attentive, understanding what's going on in the board state. Draw your cards when it's your turn, and then make the right decisions.
0: Yes, I'm. A, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a. I mean, after we did that tournament in Vegas, that's that's just been my new go-to, and it's it's the greatest thing. And I find I find though I get a little bit. I notice when we're getting near the end game, I become more edgy because I know that I need answers. And if I don't have it, I'm kind of screwed. So I start looking, I'll more like take a peek at that point because I'm like, okay, if I have it, I have it. If
1: I don't, I don't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And then I think my, quickly, my last, my second one would be is, um uh, this, is, this is also something that I've been thinking about, is um, uh, whenever it's my, up- whenever it's my turn, think about what my opponent is going to do on their next turn. So for example, um, if my opponent has four Amber um, and I and I can play my turn, I'm thinking ahead, okay, if my opponent is going to get into check, um, check at six on their next turn, what can I do now to stop them from either doing that this turn or set myself up to filter my hand to potentially draw my answers to get them off of check? Um, that's, so it's, it's, uh, trying to think a, a turn ahead versus what, what's the best play for my hand right now, but what's the best play for my hand, not right now, but two turns from now after my opponent's turn. Um, that's also been a really helpful thing, especially when it comes down to that third key situation. Um, that's been, that's been really, really helpful.
0: It's funny that you say that. Cause that's actually a concept that I was literally just thinking about this past uh, weekend. Cause we, We were blessed enough to be able to play on Monday and Tuesday this past week. And I started doing that. And one of them was sealed reversal. So you kind of don't know what's in the deck at the same time. So you know, you don't necessarily know what the answers are, but you know that you don't have what you need right now. And it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, okay, either I have to press the check now. So they have to answer, which could potentially derail them going in check, or I have to figure out how do I get the most value out of what I need to stop them. Mm -hmm. And I find that such an interesting concept because it's, you can sometimes get caught up in doing the most efficient play and not actually set yourself up for the future. And a lot of it is like the board state thing. When you have such a strong board where it just makes sense to just use it, but you get in that problem where, okay, if I do that, it's potentially means I'm only going to draw one card or two cards. And then I'm in a position where if they create an answer to me, I literally am stuck.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Been there many times. Thanks so much, Luke. I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this uh, great concept and as well as your help from future selves, those were really tops ones. And I, I know that um, Alex is a is a big fan of the whole reading the card thing because he's been burned like that. I think we all have it. It comes on also when oh, you yeah. go deep in tournaments, when you start a tournament. It's those kind of those two moments where you're getting warmed up or you're really deep in and your mental fatigue is starting to increase that. That can really become a thing. So it's almost like you have to train yourself to always read, don't go on autopilot, be a very present when your opponent's playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this has been another episode of Help from Future Self. You can find us on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. And uh, we also always have our Patreon available, which is uh, patreon.com slash HFFS Podcast. If you wish to donate or support in any shape
1: or form, we greatly appreciate it.
0: Where can people find you, Luke?
1: Yeah, I'm on uh, mostly all the major Facebook discords as Logotarian Luke. And uh, you may see me on the Facebook um,
2: buy, sell, trade group as uh, Luke
1: Hemkin.
0: Perfect. And uh, Rick, where can people find you?
2: They can find me on the Crucible at Rickster78 or on Twitter at the Wheeling Key Forger.
0: Amazing. And you can find me at Boulevard Paper Fight. That's B-L-V-D Paper Fight on both Twitter and Instagram is where I'm most active. And I love when people reach out and just want to have a conversation or ask me a question. Um, It's uh, always a fun way to create a conversation with the community and uh, get to know people better. So always feel free to reach out there. As always, everyone, stay forging.